This is Sunday Golds. Ario Masudi and Brett Nevitt joining you as we preview Florida State baseball here, and we are oh so close to the season starting. Brett, it's finally here, man, on Friday. Knowles get to play UNF, 6 o'clock, first pitch. You have spent so much time in Dickhauser Stadium this fall, um, this really this spring since the semester returned, and uh, just keeping those juices flowing. Great content on Tomahawk Nation, um, such in-depth practice reports and videos, and um, I know you're ready to rock from an actual game, and I know the Seminoles are as well. Um, last year, 12-5, and five, and the Knowles were playing really good baseball in the final week, and so I think when the pandemic shut everything down, Obviously, everyone around college baseball was a little disappointed that their season was ending, but maybe no one as much as Florida State who thought that, you know, that they had started to put things together to have this team that could be a dark horse Omaha team and one of the best teams in the ACC because of the way they pitched and because of the way that lineup was starting to form. Well, the good news is you got a lot of pieces back and uh, they get to prove that on Friday. Yeah, I mean, this is a a veteran lineup with um, a veteran bullpen and a lot of young arms that are ready to prove themselves in the rotation. Um, you know, I've been out there mostly every scrimmage the last few weeks, and um, there's definitely a lot of things to like, and I think it's going to be an exciting team to watch. And if they just find consistency on in all phases, then I think they're really going to start to click and really start to show people uh, their capabilities. I want to thank our friends over at Madison Social for uh, partnering with us and helping us out with some of these shirts. Uh, you can find that at madisonsocial.com slash sunday dash golds or email matt at madisonsocial.com. Uh, and so uh, part of that money goes to us to help this pod run and for us to be able to do some things. And um, they got some really cool gold shirts with uh, with our with our emblem and uh and some tanks as well. And we would really appreciate if you could purchase some of those for your friends, for yourself and, uh, help support our podcast. All right, Brett, well, look, man, uh, this position, uh, group for Florida state, I think we're both going to agree on is the area that we're most confident. And I'm going to go with the pitching staff. I know you're probably right behind me there and the reasons might be different for both of us, but for me, um, the talent and experience combination is what has me most excited. You've got the premier arms. You've got some um, draftable arms there who could go in the first or second round. Um, Certainly some younger guys uh, that have that potential. And then you've got the veterans who you kind of need in college baseball to navigate an entire season. Um, Do you agree with me? I mean, I know I've kind of set it up, but the the, the pitching staff to me should be the the most confident um, position group. I'm actually going to go in a different direction. I love it. I'm going to go with the outfield just because I feel like – the outfield has a combination of talent and and talent and experience that um, you know maybe the whole pitching staff doesn't have. Where you know you got a lot of experience in the back end, but there's still experience that needs to be you know there's still some growth that needs to be had with some of Florida State's starters, and you know they still got to get that experience. I'm still 100% confident in the pitching staff. I think they're going to have one of the best pitching staffs in the nation, but I think Florida State has a chance to have the best outfield, not just in the ACC, but in the entire country, you know, I don't think there's any outfield with three guys that have been here, been in college for three years and three guys that are all top five round potential. Um, you know, Elijah Cabell is still dealing with a bit of a hamstring injury, but we still expect him to be in the lineup. We, I mean, we, we expect Reese to break out. Um, a healthy Reese is can be a dominant player in college baseball. Robbie Martin, if his power starts to break out, it's another guy that's going to be a dominant player in college baseball. No matter what, Robbie Martin's probably going to hit 300 plus with ease. Um, you know, he just wakes, rolls out of bed and rakes. So, 
you know, it's just that experience plus the talent. I think I'm going to give them the nod over the pitching staff, but still have that uh, utmost confidence in the pitching staff as well. Yeah, you know, I, I would have probably said if we were ranking them, one and two would have been for me pitching and then the outfield. So uh, I love that you went in a different direction, actually. That, that let, What fun would a podcast be if we agreed on every single thing? And so, um, yeah, the the outfield and the pitching staff are, are areas I think you should feel really good about. I actually like Brett's points um, on why he, he's going with the outfield there. Um, what's the position group you are most intrigued to see this weekend? I'm just intrigued to see. I'm, I'm not going to go with the full position group, but left side of the infield. Um, you know, I'm just intrigued to see how Nander just develops early on, how he what, how he shows against right-handed breaking balls, um, his consistency on the on the defensive end of things. Um, you know, Logan Lacey is is likely going to be the starting third baseman, I believe. Um, you know, I I think Logan is a scrappy guy. Um, you know, he 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 likes to hit. He's an aggressive hitter. Um, gets his ball in front of baseballs. Um, uh, but you know, there's still question that that is really. Um, you know, the one thing I think on this team that is the biggest question mark is just the consistency right there of that left side of the infield. And, you know, it, that's that's where you're going to make most of your errors just because of how hard it is to play over there. But if Florida State can just make the routine plays over there, it's going to go a long way for this team. And I think we'll learn a lot about that in the first weekend because no matter who you play, ground balls are ground balls and pitching is pitching and you got to hit it. And, you know, that's likely going to make up two thirds of the bottom third of your lineup. So, uh, how that left side of the infield goes may determine how how the how the whole season goes. Yeah, I actually think I'm just going to say the infield as a whole um, because that has been kind of the Achilles' heel for Florida State defensively has been uh, just how poor the defense has been in the infield over the last couple of years. And so um, the potential is there. Uh, I think the coaching staff is uh, optimistic that this infield can be a good one when it's all said and done. And um, yeah, Nander definitely is the key there at shortstop. I mean, it's, you could argue, um, depending on who you talk to outside a catcher, it might be the most important position, um, in the game. And there's a reason why shortstops get paid big bucks at the, in, in the majors. And it's because, I mean, it's a premium position and uh, Nander has all the tools to be a superstar and we'll see what he does. I, I am excited to see him there. Also who, who plays second. Um, I would like to, to know who the second baseman is on opening day, but not just on opening day does Florida State mix and match some things over the weekend, over the first couple of weeks of the season, or are we going to find an everyday second baseman? And then what do they do at the corner, and what do they do at first? Both corners. Um, it, those positions in the past have been platoons um, in a lot of different years, and if they haven't been platoons, they have started one way, and in the middle of the season, they end a completely different way. So, um, yeah, infield as a whole. I, I feel like uh, Matt Nelson at catcher – is uh, a sure thing. I feel really good about what he's going to do. Um, I know you have, have have a lot of confidence. You've named him as the the best player on this team, in your opinion, and in one of our past podcasts. So uh, you got a leader at, at catcher, and we'll have to see what what is what happens behind these pitchers because your staff can be so good. They've got to pitch to contact at times, and um, if your defense isn't holding its end of the bargain, it's going to be a problem. So I'll go with uh, I'll go with the infield defense. Um, all right. So Brett, uh, we like to talk about practice and, and what you've seen, uh, you do spend a lot of time there. Um, what was the theme in the final week of practice, really the final week of, uh, non game week practice? Yeah, I, th- I thought there were some good days and some bad days. Um, you know, weather really doesn't help the way that the weather was in Tallahassee this weekend and cold rainy. 
Um, you know, a lot of practice times changed. Um, just some days where it seemed like the energy was down. But I thought, um, you know, pitchers dominated mostly this week. Um, you know, a lot of good things from a lot of the starting candidates. Um, I think the biggest theme I took away from it or biggest um, point was just that uh, Florida State's pitchers are making it really tough on the coaching staff to choose a, a weekend rotation. Um, you know, I thought Jack Anderson, Bryce Hubbard, and uh, Connor Grady, uh, who else? Who else? Carson Montgomery. I thought they were all, I thought they were all good this weekend. Parker Messick did his normal thing. So I just think there's 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 no really wrong answers for Florida State so far. It's just about finding the right answer, the the most confident answer for them. Um, and then another theme was Dylan Simmons is just uh, unstoppable at the plate right now. I think he had a 109 exit velocity homer that traveled at 454 feet and nearly cleared the scoreboard in left field. And it was on an inside pitch off the black off Parker Messick, pulled his hands in and just ripped it. Um, I think, you know, him having a full fall has really improved his power. Last year we saw him as a gap to gap line drive hitter, which is really his approach. But now that he's got the power, you're going to see the ball fly over the fence a bit more rather than just going for doubles as well. Um, you know, I think he's had six 100 plus exit velocity hits this week alone. And the week before he, he barely got out. Um, another thing was Elijah Cabell is really starting to put the ball in play at a higher rate. Um, had another homer this week. He took a low and outside two strike slider and just poked it over the right field fence. I mean, he's just got as much power as anybody in the country. Uh, Robbie Martin went homered again off the, he went oppo taco off the scoreboard. So that was another good thing to see as his power production continues to take a step forward. And then I thought Vince Smith had, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought Vince Smith had a really nice week to end the to end the scrimmages, especially with him in that position battles up the middle. So I think the freshman really has a good chance to impact the 2021 season. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned some of these arms, and uh, I can't help but think about just what the competition level at practice must be like. Um, Parker Messick, Connor Grady, you know Bryce Hubbard, Carson Montgomery, Jack Anderson. We we could go down a list, right, of guys that could start on a weekend for you, um, and you you can't help but wonder: Do these players think about that when they're tossing in scrimmages? Like, I can't I can't struggle today because there's a really good chance the guy who comes in after me is going to pitch well, and my spot might be up for grabs. Yeah, I thought that was one of my biggest takeaways from the week. Um, you know, the word competition, which you said, I thought. I thought that um, on Saturday, Montgomery, um, Anderson, and Hubbard all were extremely competitive on the mound. I mean, you could just see it the way they were walking around the mound. I felt like they were all locked in. They were all they all knew what was on stake. I mean, this was the weekend to grab a weekend spot. I mean, it was it was one v one v one. I mean, it's just pitcher versus pitcher, and you got to execute. And I thought they all executed at a high level. I mean. Hubbard was dominant. I mean, he missed. He got eleven swing and misses on forty-five pitches, which is a joke. Um, him and, and Anderson's fastballs were both uh, up in velocity. You know, Hubbard was ninety ninety-three from the left. Anderson ninety ninety-two. They both sat there for extended outings. You know, Jack and Montgomery both caged six batters in in four innings of work. Uh, Montgomery struggled with his command early in the first inning, but settled in after that. And you know, the best thing I saw all weekend was. Montgomery give up back-to-back singles to lead off his fourth thing at work. And, you know, Jimmy Bellinger yells at him, hey, we need a ground ball. We got to get on the inning. We need a double play. Two pitchers later, they get a double play on a changeup down and, down and away in the zone. 
So that was something really good to see, just a freshman not letting the game speed up on him, letting the, he lets the game come to him and, you know, just executes when he needs to. I think Montgomery's a lot, a lot like uh, C.J. Van Eyck, where even when he might not have his best stuff, he's still going to limit damage just because his stuff is so good. So I just think no matter the way Florida State goes with their weekend rotation, it's going to be three quality arms no matter what. Yeah, and then in the position players as well, I mean, there are just – I think the outfield pretty much is set, right? Like Cabell, Albert, uh, Martin, th- th- those are – I mean, those are mainstays in your lineup. And I know uh, Elijah has battled a, a little bit of an injury bug in the fall and, and a little bit early on here in the winter slash spring before the season. Um, but when everyone's healthy, that outfield is pretty much set. But the infield, like, it's so intriguing because there's a, a number of names that even if they don't start, uh, maybe they don't start opening day, but they're going to get time this weekend because I know the staff uh, has a lot of optimism about a number of names. Who are some of the players that you feel like uh, that you feel like are kind of pushing through here and trying to kind of peek their head out to get some spots. Yeah. One name I'd say is freshman Richie Morales on the infield. Um, you know, he's been a guy that's kind of moved around to different positions. Um, really good. I think he's really good defensively. Maybe FSU's best defensive option at third base. Um, you know, also play, came in as a shortstop, also plays second, but with their needs, you know, they've, they've had him playing third base a bit this weekend and he's been really sharp there and he's got a big arm. Um, you know, he's, he's put together good at bats. I think that may be one of those guys where he's not starting early in the season, but, you know, as he develops as a freshman, as he progresses that he might move into a starting role, um, at near season's end. Um, he's got a lot of talent. I think he was an an under underrated kid coming out of a smaller city in Florida. So, um, I think that's a kid that you could see poke his head through at some point. Um, another guy, Casey Asman, I think you could see him kind of be Florida state's fourth out outfielder or utility man, or a left-handed hitter, pitch hitter, late in games. Um, just a really good bat. Can make things happen on the base paths as well. Um, you know, if Florida, I think that's a big piece, Florida State. If he's back next year, that's a big piece for Florida State's outfield where you could lose all three guys. So he's definitely going to get some time this year coming down to Juco. Um, you know, and then the first base position, I mean, whoever doesn't start there, um, I think, you know, Garrett Mathis is that is the third name there behind Martin and, and Simmons. He could get some at-bats there as well at some point in the season. And uh, backup catcher Colton Vincent is going to be um, important to the season as well to let Nelly rest rest his legs a couple of days. So a um, few guys there that I think at some point you'll see them and you should probably know their names. Yeah, Vince Smith's one that I'm I'm really excited about. I mean, man, he looked incredible in the fall, and um, he just has such a pure – ability at the plate it's it's just some guys are born to hit and uh, it was kind of like that with Robbie Martin right like when when he came in you're like he knows like he just kind of knows how to put the bat on the ball and I think Vince Smith gives me the same kind of vibes yeah I like Vince I like to compare Vince Smith a lot to Mike Salvatore where it's kind of just nothing that's flashy nothing that is real above average it's just consistent and you know reliable where you know he's going to put the bat on the ball um on the infield you know he's going to make the routine plays you know he's going to go get the ball um really good really soft hands in the infield i love his athleticism to both sides he's really good um going to his his uh, arm side and going to his forehand um working that way so he's a guy that can do a lot of different things and pack the games in a lot of different ways so i think he'll definitely be a guy that um i think he'll I think he would start on opening day. 
Um, but Jackson Green also has been having a really good at bats lately. And, you know, Jackson Green's another very reliable guy at second base. You know, he had some errors last year, but all those really came at shortstop where, um, you know, the game kind of just looked like it sped on him, sped up on a sped up on him a little bit, like my words just did. But um, he's a guy that's reliable at second base, puts his body in front of the ball. So I think those two guys could really be hashing it out over the next couple of days to be that starting second baseman. All right, so let me ask you this as we kind of move on here and um, give me one player that you think is ready to break out. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys on this thing that I think are going to break out in different you get ways. One, you get one name. I'll just say, I mean, I've said it before. I think Matt Nelson is the best player on this team. I don't think you've seen the best, best Matt Nelson yet on either side of the ball. I mean, I've seen it every day. He plays hard. Uh, you know, he's been great defensively. He's been great at the plate. So I just think... When he's getting his, when he's on his game, when he's getting his at bats, uh, Matt Nelson's going to do really good things this year. I think. I think mine. So Matt Nelson was one of mine. I kind of had a feeling you were going to mention him, so uh, I started to think about other players. Uh, Dylan Simmons will be my breakout player for this season uh, because I actually thought if the Knowles could finish the year last year, Simmons was going to finish the year north of three. Like you were, you didn't get a chance to see what Dylan Simmons could do. That that kid went three for five against a really good Florida pitching staff. And I think all three were, at least two of the three hits were doubles, and they were rope shots. Like, I I remember the the ball coming off the bat, and I'm thinking, this kid's like what, six foot three and a half, six foot. I mean, he's a big dude um, with so much potential, and he was starting to figure it out. And when I said that there are a lot of people that were disappointed with with Florida State having to end the season. Um, some of the reasons were because there were some bats in that lineup that were starting to come around. And I had a few conversations with some people that, that also thought like Dylan Simmons, um, was ready to maybe be one of the top two or three hitters on that team, um, a year ago. So I'll take Simmons and, uh, uh you're pointing at me. I know you want to say something. I'll tell you right now that Dylan Simmons is, is, is the hottest hitter going into Florida state season. Um, it's basically undeniable. I mean, I've got written down here in my notes, Dylan Simmons about seven times from the last three days. Yeah, Dylan Simmons, 108 exit velocity and a homer, 105 exit velocity, 98 exit velocity, 104 exit velocity, 102 exit velocity. Go to my other notebook. Um, Dylan Simmons, uh, 94 exit velocity. I mean, he's hitting everything hard right now. It's line drive after line drive. And, you know, I think I heard Belly at one point said, man, I'm going to have to intentionally walk you soon. So he's just, I think he's going to be raking right when we go into the season. And I don't know if it's ever going to slow down. He just hits. I mean, that's a kid that rolls out of bed and hits. Um, but I got a question. Can we get one pitcher and one hitter? Yeah, but if you say Parker Messick, I'm going to be really annoyed. I'm not going to say Parker Messick. Okay, that's my breakout pitcher. I'll say Brandon Walker. Okay. Um, Brandon Walker, um, up to 96 this weekend. Still got some concerns with the fastball command, but it's, it's um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a hammer curveball. Um, you know, he's been... He's had some huge strides from fall just to this spring. I mean, he's looked like a completely different pitcher. Um, you know, I, I think B-Walk was somebody that I, I was thought maybe get lost in the mix during the fall, but he's come out in the spring and really showed up and been a guy that's impressed. Um, you know, I think him and Hunter Purdue could be the two guys there that you're looking at at closer. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I know Walker has – there was a couple of times he sent me a few texts in the, in the offseason and said, uh, Brandon Walker's – um, balling right now. And so, uh, yeah. Okay. We'll take that there. Parker Messick. And the only reason again is because <laughs> you only saw glimpses of it last year, right? Like uh, in, in many ways, like Dylan Simmons, Parker, uh, man, I'm telling you when doing some of those TV games down there and, and just 
talking to some of these MLB scouts and, and whatnot, they they all raised eyebrows when Parker pitched against Texas Tech because you had this kid who I think threw 94, touched 94 on like his 50th pitch of the uh, outing, and he was the closer. And the moxie he pitches with, the attitude he pitches with, you saw it against Florida. Like, do y'all know how hard it is for a freshman to go to Gainesville where Florida State clearly has some kind of like bad jinx playing the Gators? I mean, the Knowles have had a bad jinx against the Gators for years anywhere they play. But especially in Gainesville, it seems like things go wrong. And for Parker Messick to come in and pretty much not care about what the past is uh, with Florida, Florida State, and he just balls and he just deals. That day, I was like, Parker Messick's going to be a superstar. Parker Messick was the only person more locked in than me at that stadium that night. You were very locked in. I mean, I think I tried to speak to you twice. And, I just uh, said, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> we're not talking. I did not want to jinx it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And meanwhile, you've got notebook number one, notebook number two. I've got four notebooks in work from this from this last three weeks alone. Um, if, if any notebook um, place wants to sponsor us, that'd be great. I could really use some notebooks right now. Meanwhile, I have like a few bullet points on my notes tab, uh, my notes app here on my iPhone. <laughs> so uh, trust me, it'll, it'll, it'll be uh, more in-depth as uh, we get more into baseball season and uh, I can lock in on uh, just a couple of sports instead of what I have going on currently. But um, look, man, the, this Florida State team, we could have probably listed like five or six guys as breakout players. Carson Montgomery. Yeah, and I mean... Bryce Hubbard. Right. I mean, Bryce Hubbard's a, 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 definitely high on the list there. Montgomery... It's hard to say breakout for Obviously. someone who just got there, but like also, yeah, you've never seen him, and he's going to come out and throw ninety six. So like, yeah, you'll be pretty impressed with Carson. And I think that Saturday game, by the way, against UNF will probably be the day. With you know, I, I'm not sure if it's two seven inning games or two nine inning games. We'll have to get clarification on that. Um, either way, it's a doubleheader, and I imagine you're going to see a lot of different names get trotted out there throughout those uh, two games. Um, I'm wondering if Matt Nelson catches every inning of both games. That might be a chance for, you know, Colton Vincent, like you said, to kind of show us what he can do. Um, so, yeah, those breakout – we name our breakout players, and uh, Florida State will put them on display uh, this weekend against the Ospreys. All right, year two of the meat era um, of Mike Martin Jr., um, what are you expecting? What are you looking for? Um, what are some things that, that you want to see from uh, a Mike Martin Jr. coach team in a, a second year of an era? I think Florida State's going to turn the pressure up on teams a lot this year. Um, I think Meat really wants to start to beat teams mentally, and I think we'll start to see that as a full season comes along and as you know this roster starts to actually pick up Meat's philosophies. And um, you know, I just think some of those guys had 11's philosophies you know, ingrained in them. That's just what they were used to. That's what they did. But, you know, now we've had a full two years of practice, basically, where it's up-tempo, it's, it's, you know, it's high conditioning, it's, it's full go all the time. So I just think on the base pass, um, attacking hitters on the mound, attacking pitchers on first pitch, um, I just think this team as a whole is going to be a lot more aggressive this year. Um, you know, I think, Meet, I think one of Meet's only um, weaknesses last year was, you know, sometimes his bullpen decisions weren't, um, I just thought he left guys out there a little too long sometimes. And I think, you know, he kind of um, alluded to that on his recent press conference. He just said, you know, I went back and I kind of second, second guessed myself watching, rewatching games. And, you know, he knows, I think he, he wants to be better in the pen. And I think that's the one thing that he still kind of has to learn. Um, you know, as an assistant coach, you're not making those calls, especially when you're the hitting coach. So I think him and Belly working together this year will really start to, 
find out the roles they want guys to have and, you know, kind of the usage they want to have, especially with a staff this deep. Um, I think Florida State will really mix and match it this year. I don't think you'll see many, you know, right versus lefty, right or left left versus right matchups. I just think Florida State's going to do what they can to maximize their bullpen. Yeah, and I think that's part of being able to recruit, right, and being able to have this type of roster is having the advantage. And Florida State's worked really hard to put it put together a, and I know this is going to annoy some of the listeners, but an SEC type of pitching staff. Like, And I'm not talking SEC like back into the SEC. N- no one cares, right, like what Mizzou has in, the, in, in their pitching staff. Like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking like the top five or six teams in the SEC who roll out arm after arm after arm after arm. And Florida State can do that. I mean, we've seen Louisville do it in the ACC. Um, we've seen some other programs, uh, Virginia in the past has been able to boast a, a pretty good pitching staff. And I think Florida state now, um, has put itself in position. They could arguably have the best pitching staff in the ACC. Like, I, I'm not sure that I'm ready to go on record and say that that's the case, but I feel very confidently that FSU has a top three or four pitching staff in the ACC. And, uh, there's a real chance that it's, uh, the best pitching staff in the ACC when it's all said and done for me, Brett, I think, What I'm looking forward to most is the batting lineup and the offensive approach that Florida State has under meat because, look, we we all love Mike Martin in 11. I mean, he is FSU baseball. He is a icon of college baseball. He's on the Mount Rushmore of college baseball coaching. I mean, it's, it's Mike Martin. It's 11. Enough said. But especially towards the end of the 11 era, I think, you know, a a very reasonable, um, question mark, I won't say criticism, a question mark and a concern was the way Florida State was was trying to hit in this in this day and age of college baseball. You're trying to work walks, that's great. I mean, and, and you want to be amongst the, the nation's leaders in walks. But like the team batting average over the last four or five years was routinely like 250 or 260. And to me, um, you just can't really, you can't really thrive as a lineup like that um, because you get to Omaha and you start to face some really good arms that are not going to necessarily walk you and you're not going to be able to just outpatient a team when you're amongst the final eight best or hottest teams in the country. Meat had promised that he was going to to try and change that offensive approach. He said that as much in his opening press conference that he did as the as the Florida State head coach, the new Florida State coach. He said, we're never going to take certain pitches again like this. We're never going to do this, yada, yada, yada. And I think at times we did start to see some of that, you know, that philosophy, especially against Duke. I thought, you know, you and I actually counted how many times Florida State swung at first or second pitch in the at-bat, and uh, that would maybe never been the case um, in the old, you know, with the old regime. So um, I'm looking forward. We only got a 17-game glimpse of what Meat could do. We've seen what he can do with a game plan, right, in a weekend when Florida State goes to Georgia and obliterates some MLB arms, you know, some draftable arms um, because they were attacking fastball early in the count. I'm looking to see, year two, how much does FSU take a step forward? Last year, they had a lot of strikeouts, and that's going to come when you have some free swingers like Cabell, and you've got guys that are high, you know, high risk, high reward. But I do want to see some more balls be put into play, and I kind of want to see some higher batting averages. Yeah, I mean, Meat takes it very serious that – approach that he um you know introduced in his very first press conference you know I'll, I'll say right now that if if hitters have an zero zero count 
or it's they're ahead in the count, 102 or 30, and they take a pitch middle, middle, or in the middle third of the plate, they're at bats over, go sit on the bench, new hitter. If it's if they're ahead in the count or it's first pitch of an at bat, if they swing at a breaking ball outside of the zone, you're at bats over. So, I mean, it, it's not something that meat takes lightly. It's not something that one day it's there, one day it's not. It's every day, it's every hitter. It's your Reese Alberts, it's Matt Nelson. It's not just your freshman, it's not just your bench player. It's something that he takes very seriously, and it's there every single day. And I think these guys know they got to do it or else you're not going to play much. I'll tell you, the thing I'm looking forward to the most is, knock on wood, a full healthy season of Reese Albert. Um, You know, this is a guy that has a ton of talent. Um, You know, we were just starting to see it as the season ended last year. But, I mean, you saw it when he was a freshman. You saw it when he played with one shoulder at LSU. This is a guy that has a lot of moxie on the baseball field. He's got a lot of talent. Um, You know, he's a leader. He's a guy that goes out there and, you know, he just walks around with a lot of swagger on the baseball field. He's a guy that other teams probably should be scared of when he's on. I mean, when Reese Albert is locked in, it's going to be hard to get him out. And it's been hard to get him out for FSU pitching in recent weeks. I mean, um, he's either making hard contact or it's walking, he seems like. You know, he just he doesn't swing at many bad pitches. He doesn't miss many bad pitches. Um, I just think with a full season, you're really going to see Reese Albert t- start to show people that he's got the capability of being a superstar in college. Um, you know, I, I think I saw somewhere that people thought he could be the best player in ACC if he's fully healthy, and I believe that as well. Um, you know, he's just he's got so much pull side power that at Dick Hauser, you really, I mean, his his power production numbers are probably limitless when he's playing at home. So I'm just looking really looking forward to seeing that, and you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing Reese be able to be himself for once. Yeah, I think uh, you make some good points there, and. Um, Florida State going to get a chance to uh, start with non-conference, but they get into conference play pretty quickly, and um, they will take on a, a few really good programs here um, really in, in February and in March as the uh, ACC schedule has tightened just a little bit. Um, well, the overall schedule has tightened, and so we'll see where Florida State fits into the national picture and the ACC picture, and we actually had a special guest uh, for this episode. Really thankful that Aaron Fitt of D1Baseball.com was able to join us and uh, talk a little bit about where Florida State fits in, like I said, in the ACC and the NCAA picture and uh, a national perspective of the Knowles uh, from Aaron Fitt of D1Baseball.com. Enjoy. Aaron, let me ask you this. When baseball went down last year, and as did all sports, uh, did you think we would be able to, to play again uh, the next season? At least it looks like we're going to be as normal as we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was optimistic that by the time 2021 rolled around, um, we, would, we would at least have a handle on things. And, you know, it's, it's been a little more touch and go than I think any of us really, really thought it was going to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, getting back out there this summer, I mean, for me, um, was a huge step toward normalcy. And, you know, I'll never forget the first day going back into a ballpark. I was going to a Coastal Plain League game up in Martinsville, Virginia. And, you know, just sitting there, I got there hours early. And I'm just watching BP and I'm doing some work. And it's, you know, it's a sunny day. And, and, and you know, just you know, listening to the sound of the, the ball off the bat. And, you know, you just you realize I'm never going to take this for granted again, man. Like, you know, all these years, it's just like, oh, I get to cover baseball for a living. That's cool. But you don't really realize how much how special it is until you, until it's gone. I mean, you know, for us four weeks in, 
to a to a twenty week season, it disappeared, and and we were sitting around for the next three months wondering what the heck to do with ourselves. And um, you know, and there's people who have it a lot worse than we do. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm, I'm so grateful all of our uh, our list our, our readers and and uh, everyone who supported us and. Um, you know, during a season when there was no season and, and we did okay. And so we're, we're so thankful for that, but, uh, but boy, I'm, I'm just, I'm just so glad that we have a season that hopefully goes as smoothly as possible here. <laughs> Let's fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, no doubt. And you, you mentioned, uh, it was a disappointment for a lot of people when I went down and, um, Florida state was one of those teams that were starting, was starting to play better towards the yep. end of um, that last week, they, they knock off the number one team, you know, the Florida Gators uh, for the first time in forever uh, on their home field. And, and they, they close down McKeith Stadium with a yeah. W. And then they start to their bats start to find it a little bit, too. Um, this FSU team has a lot of pieces back, not on the mound like they did last year, at least in the starting rotation. But in that lineup, um, what, what is your take from a national perspective on, on this Florida State team? Well, I'll tell you, I, I saw them the, the weekend before the season ended at Duke um, on, on Friday and Saturday. And I, I really thought they couldn't have looked much worse those two days. And, I, and of course, I, I wasn't there on Sunday when they actually got the bats going. And I think they, they cruised to an easy win against Duke. But the first two days, I just thought the defense was awful. You know, they weren't playing with the kind of energy that you expect Florida State to play with. I mean, you know, they had pitching. I mean, Van Eyck obviously was was a stud, um, and he pitched very well in a loss that, that Friday night. But, you know, it kind of felt like they hadn't found their footing yet. And then uh, right after that, like you said, it seemed like it started, it started to come together. Uh, but, you know, I really do like this roster that they have coming back. Um, I mean, I, I think offensively, this, this looks like it should be more of a vintage Florida State offense with, with, you know, a lot of walks and a lot of power. And, you know, the one thing is they struck out a ton last spring and that's very uncharacteristic for this program. Now, you know, when you're a high walk club, you're going to work counts, you're going to have strikeouts too, because you're going to be in a lot of two strike counts. And, you know, and I think that's, that's a fine trade-off, but um, you know, you can't have the kind of crazy strikeout numbers that this team had last year. And I, and I don't expect that they will. Um, but, you know, I think, I mean, like a guy like Elijah Cabell, there's going to be swing and miss along with the power and you take that trade off and that's fine. But some of the other players like, like a DeSantis, I mean, you just playing, you know, you have to just put the ball in play. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we're going to see more of that this year. I think they've really emphasized the offensive approach and, um, you know, I think there are going to be some tough outs here, you know, some, some classic Florida State grinders, like obviously Tyler Martin fits that mold, the most disciplined hitter in, in, in the lineup. I've kind of fallen in love with his game, you know, a guy that, I was a little skeptical of when I first saw him, you know, in college baseball last year, cause he's just, you know, he's so skinny and it's like, eh, you know, I don't know. Like, is this just kind of your scrappy, like coach's son? Like, is he really a Florida state player? But he is. Um, I mean, the more you watch him, the more you like him. He plays with so much energy. Um, there is a little bit of sneaky whip in the swing and, and, you know, boy, he grinds out at bats and, and he's kind of like just, just watching him, you know, um, in, in practice and fall ball, it's like, he had such a presence on the field and, and, and he's kind of magnetic. So I, I think he's a fun player, but um, you know, Nelson behind the plate, I thought looked great in the fall. I expect a big year from him. Um, Robbie rakes. I mean, who doesn't love Robbie rakes? That guy's going to have a monster year. He looks so much better physically. He's lost, lost a lot of weight, looks more athletic. And, uh, and, and there's no reason to believe Reese Albert can't bounce back and do, you know, more like what he he's done earlier in his career. I mean, we know he has ability. So, you know, that, that, should be one of the best um, outfields in the country, you know, with Cabell and Albert and, and Martin. And 
Um, you know, and there's more power too. Cooper Swanson and Dylan Simmons, those guys both have big power. So I think it's going to be a pretty intimidating lineup. Yeah, they should be much improved from where they were a season ago. Aaron, when you look at the the arms on the mound, uh, they've got a, a number of guys. It uh, looks like there'll be some question marks maybe in the weekend rotation. Um, at least they're unproven, right? They've got to they've got to show at least on a national scale that that they can go up there against some ACC really good ACC lineups um, and pitch well. It uh, looks like Parker Messick, uh, potentially Connor Grady. Carson Montgomery, those are the, the the three big names that are coming in to, to step in. Uh, but C.J. Van Eyck and Shane Drohan are, are, and Antonio Velez, those are some tough arms to replace. Yep. Yeah, those guys were good and they had experience, which is the one thing that this group, aside from Grady, lacks. Um, but, you know, they think Parker Messick's going to be a real big-time dude. Um, I've never seen him in person, so I'm just going off the reports. The reports are, are pretty darn exciting, you know. And But, again, it's a guy who's, who's – never been through an ACC season. Um, so we don't really know yet if he's your Friday night guy, you know, that's, that's a lot on a guy who doesn't have that kind of experience yet, but, uh, but the stuff is there and it sounds like the competitiveness, the four pitch mix mid nineties from the left side. I mean, you know, sign me up. I'm, I'm a believer in that guy. Montgomery. It, it sounds like is just as good a freshman as we've seen set foot on a college campus uh, in quite a while. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, he's up there. Um, I mean, our guys, our, our friends at, at Prep Baseball Report saw a lot of him, of course, and, you know, they they thought he's like the second coming of Garrett Cole the first time they saw him, you know, I mean, it's it's that kind of ability. Um, so, you know, whether he starts out in the weekend rotation or not, I don't know. I mean, you've got other candidates. Bryce Hubbard could, could be one of those guys. Um, Jack Anderson could be one of those guys. But I do think Grady, it just makes sense, you know, as the veteran who's got weekend rotation experience. He's got pitchability. Maybe it's not, you know, the huge stuff that those other guys have, but he's got good enough stuff. He can miss bats with that, that slider for sure. Um, and there's enough on the, on the fastball um, to be competitive. So, you know, I think that the group of five arms or so that you've got competing for three weekend spots is really strong, even though it lacks experience and, and the depth of the bullpen is, is crazy. I mean, you and I were talking about this before we started, but uh, there's just plain never been a Florida state staff with, this kind of volume of real power arms. Um, I can't remember what they told me in the fall. There's 10 or 12 guys or more than that, that, that touched 95 or more for them in the fall. I mean, uh, you just, you know, Florida state typically doesn't build their staffs around guys like that. You know, it's a lot of your, your, your Sean Gill Martin types and your Mike Compton's and your, your Brandon Lee Brant's. I mean, these kind of like pitchability guys, you know, soft toss and pitchability guys. They've had a lot of success with those guys. There's nothing wrong with that, but um, you know, you think about like a Luke Weaver, who was, I think, a late first round pick, but he had a good arm, but it was like a top out at 94 kind of a guy. I mean, you didn't often see a much, occasionally he'd show you more than that, but you didn't see like high 90s or even like sitting mid 90s from, from a lot of those, those guys in the past. So, you know, they've, I don't know if this is how much of a conscious effort it was or if it was just how the recruiting glasses have come together, but uh, they've got big time heat coming out of that pen and, and you know, and in the rotation. And uh, I think they'll be able to mix and match and just throw, you know, one big arm after another at you, kind of like you see in the big leagues these days. Yeah, and I think, you know, you look throughout college baseball and, and yes, talent, the, the, the big arms in the back end of the bullpen always matter, right? Middle relief, like you see at Vandy at Florida, they've got guys that it seems like a factory of 96, 97. But what is there to be said about Florida State's bullpen where you're going to have some arms that can run it up there maybe to 95 96 but also the veteran presence of like a scolaro a Kwiatkowski, yeah. a haney that yep. that when they come into the game their heart rate's not going to be sped up i mean they've been through every situation on every stage what does that do for a team 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, we, we can kind of get caught up talking about the the big flamethrowers, but um, that veteran presence really matters. And, and I always like a staff that has variety of looks, you know, like you got your, your, your low slot sidewinders, your Chase Haney guys, and your kind of funky lefties with Kwiatkowski and Scalaro both have all kinds of uh, deception and, you know, and, and feel for off-speed stuff. I mean, Scalaro um, is, it's a, interesting look because i mean the actually the velocity has ticked up a little bit in the fall it was firmer than i'd ever seen him before it's 80 88 91 um but you know it's uh, it all plays up both those guys him and kudkowski it all plays up because of their, their secondary stuff i mean they can really uh, attack and, and kind of pitch backwards and things like that so um you know and a guy like kyle mcmullen could be a, a factor even, you know, a fourth year player who uh can really you know trick hitters with his change up and, and makes that 88, 92 fastball play up a little bit. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I like the fact that they can match up for both sides uh, with power or finesse, depending on what the situation calls for. Yeah. And you mentioned the philosophy of, of these arms and yeah, you know, Kwiatkowski, Haney, um, Scalaro, those are um, Mike Martin senior uh, 11s holdovers. I mean, those are some guys yeah. that have were recruited by a previous staff. Uh, it seems like meat, is changing some of the philosophy of what he wants. And that's, you know, adding Jimmy Bellinger, a Mike Metcalf to the fold. What do you think of the staff that mm-hmm. Mike Martin Jr. has been able to put together? Oh, I love it. I love what, what he did there. I mean, you know, and, and you have to do that as a, as a, as a first time head coach, you have to surround yourself with the right people. It's absolutely critical. Um, and, you know, he got a young rising star pitching coach um, who's got a really exciting track record and, you know, if you've been around Jimmy, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun personality, you know, and he, he's fun to talk baseball with his enthusiasm is contagious and he knows the game. Um, I, I like his, I like his teaching style. Um, I think he's going to be a rock star and, 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 you know, again, Mike Metcalf, uh, uh, obviously he's a really good talent evaluator. His, his long background as a scout. Um, and, and, you know, another guy that has a lot of personality. I mean, it's, you know, and then that's so important on the recruiting trail is that, you can connect with players and you can close a deal and, and both those guys can do that. Uh, and then I think they complement, you know, meet who's, who's a little, a little more gruff, you know, I think it's fair to say, uh, but like, I like that, that kind of contrast, the hard nose kind of old school guy with like maybe the more, you know, um, outgoing personalities around him. But, you know, obviously meat is, is his reputation uh, as an instructor is, is hard to top. I mean, you know, Florida State, year after year after year, their offensive approach has defined the program. And they're so disciplined in the way they, you know, use that short porch right field, use the whole field. Um, they're so consistent with that and have been for decades. And he's been a big part of that. There's no question about it. And, you know, and, and I think he's going to be a really good head coach. And, and certainly he put himself in, in position to, to, to do that because of the people he's put around him. And we're going to talk about this now in a minute, but I just want to get your thoughts before we move on to a larger scale picture of ACC and national. Uh, what's what, in your mind, what is a best case scenario for Florida state look like with this roster and this team? What is a, what is a worst case scenario look like? Yeah. I mean, upside, it, it sure could be an Omaha team. I mean, no, no question, you know, with all these arms and again, a, a veteran lineup with tons of power. Um, it's just a matter of how those young arms mature. And, you know, I like the fact that they've got a lot of them. And so if some of them don't pan out, you just, you know, move them to the back of the line, uh, let somebody else have a crack at it. So I, I kind of feel like chances are pretty good that they're going to be pretty good. And uh, it feels like they're lying in the weeds a little bit in the ACC 
Um, we've got them ranked in the twenties and, you know, I kind of thought when I was there in the fall that they look like a top 15 team, but then you start lining everybody up and somehow they fall in the twenties and, you know, that feels like it might be too low. I mean, I kind of, I kind of think they're going to be better than that. And, um, I think, I think a program like this is dangerous when people aren't expecting it to be like the, the team to beat. Um, I, I think they can, you know, cause they, they've got a lot of pride, um, around that place. And, and I think that matters. And, uh, I would be, I mean, I, I would be surprised if like they go out and miss a regional. I just don't think there's any chance that happens, you know? So as far as like floor, I guess their floor is, I don't know, two, two, or maybe a three seed in the regional, but, um, I, I can't see anything lower than that. And, and, and I think the ceiling is Omaha. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think they definitely look like a top 15 roster, um, but you know, part of the equation is what does everyone else uh, too. So, I mean, this Florida state team, uh, I think one of the interesting facts last year was the five losses that they had four of the losses were by one run and came in the, I believe sixth inning or after. So yeah. a lot of competitive games, a lot of com- competitive games, even last year. So Florida state looking to, uh, maybe make a, another run at this Omaha thing. All right, Aaron. So ACC picture, the, the ACC looks to be pretty strong this year. I know it, it's had some relatively down years, um, recently, but, um, and, and maybe it's the rosters coming back and, and having extra seniors and giving those extra years. And maybe some, some great freshmen have come into the league too, but the ACC looks to be pretty strong this year. Yeah, I think so. I think it's really deep. Um, you know, the, the teams even at the bottom of the league. Um, I mean, I, I had a hard time putting together our ACC preview because like, who do you, who do you pick to, to miss a regional? You know, um, it, it feels like maybe North Carolina is a tick down from what they, they usually are. Um, Clemson, I'm not quite sold on. We've got Clemson's the 10th team in the ACC. And I mean, they're Clemson, you know, they, we know they have talent. North Carolina, we've got 11th. We know, you know, they, they're, they're, they have a lot of question marks, but they have talent. Um, I really like Virginia Tech. And I think in a lot of years, that could be a regional caliber team. But we've got them, I think, 12th. You know, Notre Dame was off to that great start last year. They swept Carolina on the road. Um, got to put them somewhere. I got them 13th, you know, and I, I could see any one of those teams jumping up and kind of finishing in the middle of the pack. Pitt is the only team that I feel like is maybe a tick behind everybody else, but they're older too. I mean, they got a lot of veteran guys, which, which really matters when you're trying to, to make some headway. They got some fifth and sixth year guys that have been through the ringer a little bit. So I think they're, I think they're light on the mound, but I still think they're dangerous. They're not going to be like a pushover. So, you know, every team in the league, you look at a Boston college for me, um, that was a team that I wish we had the guts to stick them in the top 25, because I, I think, I think they're, you know, they're a sneaky Omaha sleeper. Um, with the star power that they have, they have two preseason all Americans for us, Cody Morissette, Sal Frelick, um, you know, dynamic. I think Morissette's one of the best pure hitters in the country and Frelick's, uh, uh, like a Lenny Dykstra kind of a dynamic center fielder. And, uh, I picked Mason Pelio to be ACC pitcher of the year. I really like him. So, you know, if any of those guys behind Pelio can live up to their ability, BC is extremely dangerous. Um, you know, the only question for me overall in the ACC, I think, I think this, the league as a whole has a ton of position player talent. Almost everybody. I mean, NC state lineup, I think should be elite Louisville's lineup, Virginia's wake forests, Georgia tech. I mean, all these teams, uh, I like Duke's lineup. I like, certainly we talk about Florida state's lineup. I mean, Miami has an elite lineup. I don't think anyone has the kind of position player talent the ACC has. And that, that includes the SEC. This is the year where I would say ACC has actually considerably more position player talent, but the arms aren't, aren't close, in my opinion, overall in the ACC uh, to, to the SEC. And the SEC has much more proven frontline pitching. 
Um, there's just a lot of question marks on the mound. Guys that still have to kind of establish themselves in the ACC. Um, and if they do, then, you know, this league could send multiple teams to Omaha. I mean, certainly there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential here, but that's the one question mark for me is, uh, how, how good is the pitching in the league? And, and, and we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. T- give me a couple of, uh, of, of, uh, teams you feel good about in the ACC. I mean, Louisville comes to mind, obviously nearly yeah. immediately Miami, if they can pitch that lineup might be the best lineup in the ACC one through nine. Um, who are some, who are some teams that you feel, uh, let's say if you want to scale it one to 10 on confidence, you have the highest mm-hmm. level of confidence in. I mean, Louisville, of course, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, they're, they're just a machine right now. And even though they lost <laughs> two first rounders in their rotation, um, I mean, you've got multiple preseason All-Americans, Henry Davis behind the plate. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Benelis at third base, uh, Levi Usher is a dynamic player that you haven't seen yet in the ACC because he was a, a Juco guy last year and the season got cut short before he could, could play in the, in the league, but um, he's a stud. Um, and then, you know, Lucas Dunn is back. And I, I love their, their, their lineup. Uh, and now, you know, in the rotation, they're going to move Michael Curian, the, the big lefty from the back of the bullpen where he's had a lot of success. Um, he'll, he'll be one of their weekend starters. Now I was impressed in the fall that he, he was able to hold the quality of his stuff for, for five innings and it was 91, 95 and, you know, always had feel for that slider. So I think he'll succeed in that role. Uh, a big key is, is Glenn Albanese, who's, uh, just, you know, maybe their next big, um, fireballing right-hander he's starting to come into his own in, in the bullpen last year and then he just really took off in the summer and fall was up to 98 with a lead spin rate and all that stuff so um, if he can be that dude at the front end then they could win it all uh, you still have luke smith luke smith is your sunday guy potentially that's pretty darn good um so you know louisville i've got the most confidence in uh, i do think nc state with their lineup and their kind of their experience um, I would probably have next, although we need to see, you know, how the pitching comes together for them. I think it's a very deep staff with a lot of experience. They need the number one guy, you know, and, and they think it's Sam Highfill, who's a second year player. Um, he's kind of like Messick, you know, he hasn't done it yet, but the upside is certainly there. Um, so, you know, I, I certainly feel good about those guys. The team that, that you know, I'm going to throw out there that I'm, I'm higher on probably than anyone else is Wake Forest. And um, I've been high on them before. Um, sometimes they've rewarded me like in 2017 when they, they hosted and, and won a regional. Um, and, but then, you know, 2019, they were a disappointment, uh, but they got players back that they shouldn't have gotten back. Um, Bobby Seymour, of course, ACC player of the year, two years ago, 92 RBIs. I mean, he's a, he's a menace. There's no reason, you know, that, that he should be back for a fourth year in this league, but, uh, and same goes for Chris Lanzilli, but I think the power there with Lanzilli and Shane Munts and, uh, and Seymour and, and, uh, Brendan Tinsman, and then we got an elite freshman named Brock, Brock Wilkin. Uh, I think it's a scary, scary good lineup. And the thing is, you know, usually Wake Forest doesn't really pitch, but um, I think they, they might have the best rotation in the league when it's all said and done, you know, um, because they've got experience and stuff. Ryan Cusick could be a first rounder um, as their Friday guy. And then you got kind of a, a slot shifter named uh, Tony Menendez, who, you know, he's up to 95 from a high slot and they'll drop down submarine and it'll be 89, 91. I mean, that's a, that's a tough at bat. Um, I like him a lot. And I like Will, William Fleming, who's 92, 96, you know, three pitch power right-hander as your Sunday guy. I love that trio. Uh, if their young bullpen grows up in a hurry, I think that's an Omaha team and we'll see if they can, they can break through that, that door. It's been a while for Wake Forest. Yeah, no doubt. And I've actually gotten a chance to, to call some, some TV games for Wake Forest um, with them. And then Tom Walter does such an incredible job, his passion for that program um, and where he's gotten it to. Um, my Braves took Jared Schuster 
than the last yeah. MLB draft. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the arms are getting better at Wake, and look, they're Rake Forest. Like everyone knows now, uh, when the uh, the black and gold steps into the box, there's a chance that ball's hitting uh, yeah. way over the scoreboard. So, um, yeah. it should be interesting in the ACC. Um, let me ask you this, Aaron, uh, before we let you go, um, nationally, give us a, a couple of teams nationally that you feel like stand out among the rest. Uh, well, it starts with, with Florida and UCLA. I think for me, those are clearly the two best teams in the country, the most complete teams. Um, I mean, I think Florida and even last year, I thought they had the best team and they, they got almost everybody back, you know, kind of like Wake Forest. It's hard to believe that, that, Mace and Leftwich are back for another year as fourth year players. I mean, I think Tommy Mace um, is a slam dunk first rounder, you know, and, and he got off to a good start last year. I can't, I frankly can't believe, I know he had a high price tag, but I frankly can't believe he didn't get paid. Um, I, you know, he's even better this year or this fall than he had ever been before. He developed like a legitimate hammer curveball and kind of ditched that cutter that he was throwing. And, and I, I like that for him. Um, I think he could be a top 10 pick. You know, as a fourth-year guy, kind of like like that Mark Appel was for Stanford, right? Where it's like, how is he back for his fourth year? And then he goes number one overall. Um, I mean, that's a bad comp because Appel was a bust in pro ball. But but anyway, um, you know, the pitching with those two guys and, and Hunter Barco is, is a potential top five pick in 2022. He's your Sunday guy. Okay, that, that'll play. Um, tons of depth, you know, power arms in the bullpen. It might be the best pitching staff in the country, but I think it also might be the best offense in the country. I, I just think it's insane how good they are. Uh, the power that they have in their lineup, the athleticism, they're going to defend at a very high level. Judd Fabian, of course, the centerpiece is one of the, the best five tool guys in the country. So they're really exciting. UCLA um, was, it was a force of nature when I saw them at the, the Frisco classic last spring um, and they played a good schedule. It was like A&M, Oklahoma State, and Illinois, three good teams, and they just bulldozed everybody. Um, you know, just that team offense is is scary when they've got it going like that because it's maybe it's not like swinging for the fences, but they can wear out the gaps. They put everything in play. They're you know hit and run, and you know um, the small game, but also just just wearing it down uh, with the quality of their at bats. There's a lot of athleticism there. You have a first rounder at shortstop. Matt McClain's already already been a first rounder, um, and you know the pitching staff is is outstanding. I mean, uh, as usual, you know you've got three veteran guys: Zach Petway, Nick Nostrini, and Jesse Bergen, uh, older players that all have power stuff. You know, ninety to ninety four. Well, uh, for for Bergen and Nostrini, Petway's more of your pitchability guy, like your your you know your old school uh, carve up the zone at eighty eight to ninety one with elite command and. Uh, extension, you know, things like that. But, uh, but he's one of the best pitchers in the country. So um, they're, and their bullpen's outstanding too. So I think Florida and UCLA for me are kind of in their own tier. And then you got a big clump of teams like the the Texas techs and Vandy with, with Kumar rocker and Jack Leiter, that's going to be intimidating. We talked about Louisville, um, a whole bunch of other sec teams kind of clumped together in there. It's going to be a battle Royale in the sec. All right, Aaron, and uh, I want to let you go. I know you got a lot on your plate right now, but quickly, anything D1Baseball.com, any specials, anything going on right now that fans can subscribe and uh, read your work? Yeah, check us out at D1Baseball.com. We've got everything you need to uh, to get yourself ready for the season and, and follow college baseball all year long. Uh, best scoreboard, of course, in, in, uh, in college baseball, uh, but also, you know, weekly chats and analysis and, and team breakdowns and 
podcasts. We've got writers uh, covering the country from coast to coast, and uh, uh, we love the game. So give us a give us a follow at D1 Baseball on Twitter, and check us out at D1Baseball.com. All right, Aaron, appreciate your time as always, and uh, keep up the great work. Uh, we, we really do appreciate you joining us for a couple minutes. All right, my pleasure. Anytime. That was a pretty good rundown there from Aaron Fit. Thank you again for joining us. He does such a great job at D1Baseball.com. Him, Kendall Rogers, uh, Mike Rooney, and their entire staff. Uh, a lot of college baseball uh, teams to cover. And there was a time, really, I mean, you could have looked back about seven or eight years ago where people were begging for college baseball coverage. And uh, Kendall Rogers was at, I believe he was at Yahoo. Um, Aaron Fit was doing things at Baseball America. And, um, yeah, we really didn't have this this big outlet to cover college baseball every single day of the season. And uh, two of the best names came together, and they created D1Baseball.com. And that's been a staple um, of mine, really, since uh, I've been a college baseball fan, since I was really in middle school. And uh, now that I've started to do some, some broadcasting as well, uh, I definitely use them as a resource to kind of research on other teams around the country and keep up with... Uh, what everyone else is doing and in the ACC, no doubt. So a good rundown. Um, Aaron was pretty in-depth about his thoughts on the ACC. Um, they like Louisville. They like him a lot. Um, Miami Hurricanes, they've got a great lineup. Um, NC State, people are pretty high on right now because they return a, a lot of names. Um, and, uh, yeah, so on and so forth. The ACC should be really good. Something Aaron said that I really liked was that as far as position player talent goes, this is the year the ACC has a clear advantage over the SEC. And, uh, Brett, I know you, you follow um, the ACC pretty closely as well. There are some, some really draftable prospects. Yeah, I mean, Del Castillo, um, Benellas at Louisville. Um, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of teams in the same, same situation at Florida State, I feel like, where they got a really good lineup coming back um, with some experienced guys, some new young guys. Um, and then where, where you still, but you got to replace some, some weekend arms. I mean, both Louisville and Miami got to replace almost basically their whole weekend staffs. Um, Florida State has to replace their top two guys. So a lot of the season could depend on which young pitchers take the biggest steps forward in, in this year. Um, I think Florida State could separate themselves um, with, with their experience in the back end of the bullpen though. Um, but you know, as we've said, though Florida State's defense is 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 really just what's going to make them go, or what's gonna what's gonna stop them from being what they could be. Um, you know, there's some other really proven defenses in in this conference. I think Louisville's got a really proven defense. Um, I believe Miami played pretty clean last year. So, um, however that defense goes, is is how this team's probably going to fare in the ACC. I mean, Louisville's definitely the favorite in the Atlantic division, but I think Florida state should probably be right there with them in, in that second spot or third spot. Yeah. You know, a team that Aaron said he was really high on. I, I actually am really high on them too. Uh, Wake Forest. I really like Wake Forest. That lineup, um, Lanzilli's back. Seymour's back. Um, Muntz is back, the catcher. And they have some arms this year. Uh, Menendez is back. The guy who, uh, as Aaron Fitz said, uh, he throws from like three different arm slots. Uh, he's given Florida State a problem in the past. Uh, that's a Wake team that I want to say two years ago came into Tallahassee and won two of three against Florida State. And they had some big boppers, man. Like they they had some guys who could take you off the scoreboard. And a lot of those guys are back this season uh, for Tom Walter, who's done an excellent job. Wake Forest was an afterthought, man, in the ACC. Like no, no one respected them. So um, 
what they've been able to do, and when Walter got there, they hit like nearly immediately. And they they coined the name Rake Forest. Uh, got to a super regional. The arms were missing for them to really make a push to the uh, to the College World Series. And I think they're a dark horse because um, the Braves actually just uh, picked up uh, Jared Schuster, who was one of their arms a year ago, and. Um, They've got some guys this year that, that could be really good for Wake, and so that to me is a dark horse in the ACC and nationally, uh, but I agree with you. Florida State, if it all goes as planned, is one of the best two or three teams in the ACC, and they could they could compete for the best team in the ACC. Yeah, and as you're t- I'm just going to go back to dark horses a little bit, and I just think two teams that can't be overlooked are BC and um, Notre Dame. I mean, Link Jarrett did a really good job there at Notre Dame last year. Um, I believe they had only lost like one or two games before the season came down last year, and they won a series out in North Carolina. Former Nolan, Jared. Yeah, so just the way that they, they improved so much rapidly last year. It's definitely a team that nobody can take lightly, and same with Boston College. Boston College has got three really high-level prospects, including their Friday night starter who's probably going to give them a chance to win um, in Mason Pelio on any Friday um, and when you win on Fridays, it gives you a chance to win any weekend. So there'll be another interesting team, I think, to watch. But, yeah, that the Florida State should always be in the top, you know, two to four teams in the ACC, in my opinion. You know, when you recruit in Florida, you're going to get, you know, as much talent as you, as you, as you really want. I mean, you're obviously going to compete with Florida and Miami. But, um, you know, if you execute, no matter what, you're still going to get a ton of talent just from the way baseball is played down here and the way travel baseball gets played all around this state. So I just think, you know, they'll definitely be in there, you know, unless we have some unforeseen things that we don't expect to happen or injuries. But um, the other thing is you just don't really know in this year with COVID. But the way that it looks, the way that our roster looks, the way that they've looked so far, I mean, I think we both expect them to be top uh, that top quarter of, of the ACC. Yeah, no doubt. And Duke's another one, uh, Chris Pollard's team. Uh, wow, they just lost their pitching coach. Though. They did, they did, and that's tough. Uh, but you know what? You'd like to think like the the Jimmys and the Joes, as the old saying goes, is is greater than the X's and the O's. So um, they got some guys back, and uh, yeah, they were really they were on their way to being pretty good last year. Um, I thought. And uh, another name, I think there was one other team that I wanted to mention. Oh, you actually mentioned it. You said Boston College. Yeah, yeah, you did. And Paleo, I mean, arguably might be the best pitcher in the conference. Like you could you could make the case that he is, and uh, Morissette, and that, look, they, they're good. I mean, BC's got a chance. And so um, point being, the ACC could get 10 teams in regionals this year. It, it, you're, you're really looking at it potentially between 9 and 11, and uh, people expect Virginia to, to bounce back. Georgia Tech should be pretty good. James Ramsey's still the hitting coach out there. And uh, Clemson, we'll see what Monty Lee's group does. They have been really disappointing under Monty Lee after they fired Jack Leggett. Um, Clemson, I feel like, will always be good and maybe never great, but we'll see. And so, yeah, the ACC, Florida State should fit pretty nicely there. And now let's move on to another interview that we had. Um, actually had the head skipper, uh, Mike Martin Jr., to join us here on this show to talk with Brett just on his thoughts about how practice has gone leading up to the game and and some of his thoughts on on what he has in the stable for Florida State, not just on the mound, but in the lineup as well. I guess first off, meet how excited are you to, you know, get on the field and actually play a team that that's not on garnet and gold and see your guys face other players for the first time in a, about 345 days. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a long time. That's for sure. And our guys are definitely chomping at the bit to play somebody with a different Jersey on. And, um, you know, we like where, where we're at. We've made it through some horrible weather this 
it's, it's been the wettest winter I swear we've ever had, but, um, you know, we made it through and, uh, we're excited. Do you feel like guys are hungrier than ever or more locked in than ever after losing a season last year and just, you know, understand that any day could be your last day playing? Yeah, that's the, the one thing that we've been really trying to, you know, to stress is that, you know, we're going to, we're going to play, you know, don't, don't think in the back of your mind that we're not going to play, um, you know, because again, the, being locked in is, you know, being in for the long haul and, um, you know, the guys have, um, you know, done everything they can to stay away from COVID and um, so far so good. We just got to stay the course. Now that you guys are through that uh, last week in the scrimmages, have you been able to decide as a staff on um, weekend staff positions or the infield positions, or is that still an ongoing conversation between you guys? Yeah, it, it's still, you know, we're still having discussions. Um, you know, there's one more, you know, five day period that we have to, you know, get some stuff done and, and we're just not ready to uh, say who's going to be where. And um, there's a number of reasons why. Um, but again, those five days, um, you know, are going to be, you know, make a lot of decisions um, and, and they're hard decisions. But again, the guys know with injuries and COVID, everybody's going to play. We're, we're going to use tons of guys and we still want to bounce some guys around to different spots and try to teach them, you know, different positions. I feel like leadership is one of the is one of the biggest strengths on this team, and a lot of that has to do with Chase. And you know, you guys just announced uh, what you're doing with eleven and Chase, and letting him wear that number eleven. I guess how did that idea come about, and how easy of a choice was Chase? Well, first, you know, when we decided we were going to do it, it was a no brainer that Chase would wear it. Um, but you know, he's such a special guy. Uh, I just, you know, and I don't want to sound corny, but it's such an honor to be around him every day and, um, you know, being, uh, being so fortunate to coach him just to, he's has an infectious personality. He says the right things at the right times. And, um, you know, you'll never hear a bad word said about him. And, you know, I tell everybody, I said, he'll be the governor of Florida one day. You know, speaking of love and it's obviously hard to come by season tickets this year was, was senior senior able to pick up some season tickets. I, I'm assuming I haven't, I haven't asked that question, but um, we'll, we'll make sure him and Meemaw get in the stadium. You know, obviously you have a bigger roster than usual this year, I guess. How do you take advantage of that and kind of maximize your roster through a 50-game season? Just that we're going to use tons of guys. You know, we're going to have to keep them sharp, keep them fresh, and, and that's the goal. Um, you know, the versatility is crazy important, and, um, you know, we just got to make sure that all of our T's are crossed and I's dotted because – there's no telling what this season's going to look like and who's going to be available and for how long. And, um, you know, we just got to, we just got to grind. And the ones that are going to win the most are going to be the teams that, you know, have their best players, if you will, available. And, um, you know, that's what we've been trying to stress to our guys. We, we can't let our guard down. You can't go out partying. You can't, you know, you've got to do everything you can to, you know, avoid it. You know, I spoke to Nander a couple of weeks ago and he said that, he sort of feels like he's made big strides as a person and being home in Panama and having that time off, let him become a better person, I guess. What have you seen from him in, in on off the field? And I guess, how has it translated to on the field? Yeah, he's just, he's more, um, what's the word? Self-aware, I guess. Um, you know, he, he's been around Chase. He's been around Reese. He's, you know, those types of things that uh, I think a lot of times Nander wouldn't, you know, open his mouth because he was afraid he wouldn't say the right thing or, 
um, you know, and as a shortstop, you've got to, you know, you're the captain on the field and of course with the catcher, but, um, you, you got to do certain things at certain times to, um, you know, maximize yourself and your teammates. And, um, you know, he's done a great job there and he's, you know, taking away the left-handed or getting rid of the left-handed, yeah, I think it's kind of opened him up and, um, you know, made him a little bit more confident because, uh, he was, you know, a better right-handed hitter. You know, one guy I think that's been pretty vocal this spring has been, uh, Matt Nelson. I just, you know, I've seen him, I think he's made big strides defensively, I guess. What have you seen from him? And I guess how, how much of a luxury is it having a, a veteran catcher that knows this entire staff? Yeah, it's, it's important because, um, you know, when they go out to the mound, things that have got to sink in. And a lot of times when you're sending a young guy out, um, those older guys, it, it's, it's not going to sink in what they say. So, um, you know, he's done a good job stepping up his leadership and, um, you know, he's playing, playing really well. And um, we just got to, again, keep him healthy. You know, another one of those third year guys is Elijah Cabello. And I guess, you know, we still haven't seen, he still hasn't been running uh, or playing the outfield, I guess. What, what is his status and what do you expect from him at the start of this season? Well, they kicked him, kicked it up a notch, uh, which was scheduled anyhow, but uh, he was at 70, 75%. Um, the decelerating is the, the painful part of it. Uh, it's just a, you know, a tweaked hamstring and um, you just got to be careful of those things. And that's what we try to do. And, um, you know, thank goodness, you know, the 75% yesterday was, uh, before practice, uh, he was pain free. So they'll, they'll start gradually working him in and we're not going to you know put him out there until there's no chance of it reoccurring. You know, when you do have all those guys healthy, I guess, how high are the expectations for that outfield with Reese and Robbie as well? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's power speed combo. And I'll put those three against anybody in the country as far as, you know, what they can do offensively and defensively. And, um, you know, they've worked hard and, you know, Reese is finally not worried about, you know, having a jolting pain if he takes an awkward swing and, um, you know, Robbie's doing his thing. He's always hit and Cabell is, you know, 30 pounds heavier and, um, you know, the power and speed potentials there with him. He's, we just, um, you know, again, got to keep him healthy. Where do you feel you're at defensively at this point last, I mean, at this point this year versus what you were at at this point last year? Um, I, we're, we're improved. Um, you know, I think the competition has made a lot of guys better. Um, you know, that's going to be the key to the season is how, how well we play defensively because we really feel like we can pitch and it may not be the prettiest of offense, but we feel like we're going to you know, score runs and, um, you know, we're going to rely a lot on the power side of it. Um, but we do want to be versatile. There's some guys that can bunt and we need to utilize that, but, um, we just got to be smart on the base paths and, um, you know, do what we do. Don't fall into the trap of trying to play the way somebody else plays. How excited are you to see the potential of this staff against, you know, not having to face your own hitters now and getting to see what they can actually do against other hitters. And I guess how high are the expe expectations for that staff as a whole? Well, I, th I think it can be literally the best staff in the country. Um, you know, they're going to, they motivate each other. They, um, you know, since they are talented and have success and they try to outdo each other and, you know, that's a good thing. And, um, you know, we're going to use a ton of guys and, um, they, they, they just got to be ready and, and they got to accept their roles. That's something that, um, you know, can separate a team and, um, you know, we're going to monitor that big time because, um, you know, the, the sky's the limit with that staff. 
What is it about Parker Messick that gives you the confidence to throw him out there at Florida for the last three innings of the game and, you know, name him as the only guy that you guys have, you know, finalized as weekend guys so far? And I guess how has that, how has his transition from a reliever to a starter gone? Uh, just as, as we figured, you know, he, he's wired um, the way great ones are wired. Um, they're never satisfied. They uh, work their tails off. They listen. They're coachable. Um, you know, and he's not afraid to go inside and he's not afraid to throw a three, two change up or breaking ball. Or, um, you know, he can pitch up, he can pitch down, he can do any number of things. And, and you combine that with being uh, ultra competitive, um, you know, that, that puts you in a weekend at a power five school. And, um, you know, I really feel he's uh, going to be a high pick and, and pitch a long time in the big leagues because, um, he's wired exactly the way you want him wired. You know, Carson Montgomery, you get on campus, and obviously this this stuff is outstanding. But, you know, I've seen him just – it seems like the game never slows down for him, and he just gets better and better with every time he pitches, I guess. Have you ever had a freshman at Florida State that you feel is as advanced as he is as a freshman? Um, no, I, I can't think of one. Um, a Sean Gilmartin maybe. Um, but he's – he is. He's special. Um, you know, he's got the big equipment and – uh, big arm, but, you know, the fact that he's coachable and, um, you know, knows what it takes to win. And he's got that slow heartbeat. You know, things aren't going to rattle him. So uh, there's an awful lot of things we can do with him. But um, I can promise you he'll be tired at the end of the season. You know, the closer spot, you you guys had a few a few different guys there last year, I guess. Is, is Would you like to have just one guy there, or is that something that you kind of want to match up in that ninth inning? Uh, I'd, I'd like to have one guy, um, but again, with the, the weird year and the number of guys that we have, that we have confidence in, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, you know, when you only have really, you know, generally speaking, 10 to 12 guys that, uh, you trust on a pitching staff to get outs at this level. Um, yeah, you really do need to have just one guy and that he knows when he's coming in and all that good stuff, but we have so many older guys and, uh, you know, guys that are, you know, wired the way we want them wired and they can handle it as well. So um, we really, we haven't decided what we want to do there, but just thank goodness we got a ton of, you know, guys that can do it. You feel like just the, the power on both sides of the ball is, is one of the biggest strengths on this team. Yeah. Because again, it, it, just as we're talking all the you know, quality guys that we have, so does everybody else. So um, you think about the Tampa Bay Rays. That's what I'm telling people when they say, all right, what's the team look like? I'm like, just, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays, it's going to be very similar to that. We're going to you know, try to beat people with our legs on the base paths. And, um, you know, we're going to try to hit home runs and, you know, score runs in different ways, but it's not going to be the prettiest. We've got some swing and miss, you know, in this group, but um, there's also a ton of guys in there that one swing of the bat and you got two or three runs. Where do you feel you're at with, um, you know, the offensive approach and attacking early in counts at middle third? I guess, how do you feel? No, I know at the start of the spring practices, you said, you know, that was still developing. I guess, where do you feel you're at with that now? I'm, I'm still frustrated uh, just because, again, you, you, and, I, and I know it's the, the middle week of the spring training is always a nightmare. Things start out, guys are focused, and then you get that lull, you know, that lull of, man, gosh, and now it's game week. And so hopefully that focus will pick back up um, to where we're, you know, swinging at what we should swing at and taking what we should take. Um, 
because it's that's the only constant with all great hitters. And we're we're not going anywhere as a coaching staff. We're not deviating from it. Um, you know, the, the guys have got to learn. This is this is paramount to being successful as an offense. And um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that it will, and, and hopeful that it will. You know, to make the right decisions and and get going down the right path. But um, it, it's been a it's been a tough week. You know, with the weather, you know, it's kind of put everybody in a bad mood. You know, another thing you guys emphasize every day to the hitters is that opposite field approach. I guess why is that so important to you, and, and how much better does that make a hitter when they when they really take that approach at the plate? Well, you have to, um, you know, because again, when you're hitting the ball the other way, you're going to hit it back deep further in your stance. Well, when you do that, and you're trying to do that, you're going to see the pitch longer. If you're trying to hit it out a fastball out in front and a 10 to 12 mile an hour difference in an off-speed pitch comes your way, you've got no chance of hitting it. So uh, hit the fastballs back deep, be ready to hit the fastball. And if you get an off-speed pitch and it makes sense to, to swing at it at whatever point of the at-bat that you're in, then, yeah, you'll probably hit it slightly out in front, pull side, but you're not going to hit it foul and, or be so far out in front that you completely miss it. You know, the one other thing you guys really emphasize is, is pressure and putting pressure on other teams mentally. And I guess, I guess first off, do you expect to be an equipped, te- equipped enough team to be on the move on the base pass a lot? And secondly, do you feel like you can mentally wear down a team, not just for one game, but over a course of a weekend? I do. Um, and I think that's, you know, what the Florida State approach has always been, is that we're going to be there, you know, all weekend. And it's going to, those guys may not be in the game, but they're going to be watching and, saying these guys are tough to get out. And, um, you know, when you shorten the defense because you, you know, can drag bunt and do some things with your legs and there's constant pressure, just it, it makes everybody tense up on the opposing defense. And, and that is the objective. You feel like that mentality is kind of the last piece to get over the hump in Omaha, something that hasn't been done yet? Well, y- yes. Um, you know, but I think uh, there's an awful lot of things that go into that. Um, you know, the, the mentality that you have of, you know, that you're playing the game, you're not playing the opponent, you're playing a game, a failing man's game. And you got to be able to flush things and, um, you know, be ready for the next at bat or be ready for the next defensive play. Um, you know, that's what the great ones do is they're always ready and they, you know, they're hungry, they're humble, but they can flush it. You know, you got to be able to flush things in this game or it'll eat you up. Lastly, I guess, just what's what's the thing you're looking forward to most about this year and, and getting back to normalcy with baseball coming up here this week? Well, I just – I want the guys to, you know, be great teammates. This is going to be a, a trying year. Guys are going to be in different positions. They may fail, but, you know, when you have great teammates around you that pick you, pick you up, uh, you know, but also hold you accountable, um, you know, and, and, and being humble and caring about – others uh, instead of yourself you know that's what's we've got to to have to have a successful year enjoy that interview with you and meet there brett um mike martin jr has always been really candid i think he always you know says what's on his mind and he's never been afraid to speak the truth when he's frustrated he'll let you know he lets the players know when you're out at practice and and you can hear him getting on their case uh but part of why i think meet will be successful at Dickhauser Stadium and with Florida State is because of the just the genuine way that he approaches every single day. And so um, he wears his heart on his sleeve, a lot like his dad did actually in that matter, but um, maybe even more. And so uh, we'll see what, what he's able to accomplish. But I, I want to ask you, was there anything that you took away from that conversation um, that was noteworthy? 
Yeah, I just think the fact that they want to put pressure on everybody this entire year and you know, it's going to be constant pressure on both sides of the ball where I think they think they have the athletes this year to start really moving around on the base pass. And, you know, they also have the power where it's it's going to be one through nine. There's going to be guys where you can't make a mistake pitch to Florida State because they're going to put it over the fence. And I think he's really looking forward to the power and the quick strike offense they're going to have, even though they are going to have some swing and miss. And that was another thing I took away from this is that, you know, he knows exactly who they are. Um, he's not shying away from it. He's not shying away from the fact that there's going to be swing and misses. Um, Florida State's going to strike out a lot this year, but if they can avoid it in the big situations, then they should be fine offensively. Um, you know, pitching wise, they're going to use guys as much as they can, and they're going to match up as much as they can to try to maximize this roster and, and another, just bring more constant pressure on that side of the ball too. You know, you're not going to see many guys multiple times, and you're definitely not going to see a guy out of the bullpen um, come at you more than once usually. So I just think with the power on both sides of the ball, they're going to be able to pressure teams and, you know, kind of wear teams down over a weekend. Um, you know, the other noteworthy thing, noteworthy thing I think is um, talking about Elijah Cabell, that he was 75% this weekend, and they're starting to really ramp him up. And um, I think from what I've heard, they do expect him to have expect to have him in there this week. But if he's not ready, I think you're not going to see him at all this weekend. And they're fine with that, and they think they have the depth in the outfield to go win, win some games without him in there for a couple weekends. And, you know, it's good to hear that they're not going to play him until they know he's fully healthy and that, you know, there's no chance of him re-injuring himself. Yeah, I like that he said Parker Messick is wired like all of the great ones. Uh, Mike Martin Jr. has played with a lot of great ones and has coached a lot of great arms uh, at Florida State. And you saw kind of like uh, he compared the mentality to maybe a Sean Gilmartin. And Florida State fans who were able to watch Sean Gilmartin pitch know exactly how big of a compliment that is. And then Carson Montgomery, um, you know, uh, Actually, I think I'm getting twisted. I think he compared Carson Montgomery to Sean Gilmartin. Uh, either way, uh, Parker Messick will be a, a dominant weekend arm, and if Carson Montgomery joins him, um, that should have you excited just as well because of just the advanced feel for all of his pitches. Brett, you were showing me some of the videos that you've taken of Carson, and man, the off-speed's disgusting. And when he's locating his fastball, and that pitch has such life. Like, nothing is straight with Carson Montgomery. It, also, it almost looks like a... I mean, this is an extreme example, right? But like a Jacob deGrom, where it's like nothing is straight. And deGrom throws hard, yes. But also, like, nothing deGrom throws is down the middle. It's always, you know, upper quadrant, lower quadrant. Pate on the black on the left side. Cutter, here comes your cutter. Here comes a two-seam. Montgomery has that projectability, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's a lot similar to C.J. Van Eyck, where it's, you know, not a huge frame, but it's athleticism, and it's smooth, and there's movement in all pitches. Um, you know, the only difference really is that um, Carson's going to come at you with a, a curveball. I mean, a slider instead of that curveball that CJ had. But, you know, both those guys, they'll throw cutters. Um, you know, his cutter's been up to 92 recently, 89, 90 usually. So that, that's a power cutter, too. That's just starting to get added to the mix. And that he's starting just to feel it. Change-up's really good. Um, that slider, is when he's getting down on it, when he's getting out in front, is also a, a wipeout pitch. So, I mean... You heard Meet say it. He's probably the most advanced kid they've ever had on campus as a freshman, um, pitching-wise, and I thoroughly believe that as well. So it's going to be fun to watch him, whether he's in the weekend rotation or not. I think if he's not in there at the beginning, he'll find his way in there by season's end. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun uh, this weekend in Tallahassee to just kind of see what Florida State displays and uh, who all debuts for the Knowles in 2021. Let's talk about who they're about to play. I think uh, – we would be remiss if we didn't give a sort of a, a type of preview. Not a whole lot of information on on UNF available, but um, 
I was able to do some research and, and find some things out. Um, let's see here. All right, so UNF, 4-12 uh, and 12 last season, were not very good offensively, uh, were not very good defensively, were not very good on the mound. Um, and so in 16 games, they really struggle, struggled. And uh, Coach Tim Parenton, um, he's in his fourth year with UNF. And UNF actually, like, a few years back, had some teams that had, like, 32 or 33 wins. Like, they had some quality over there in Jacksonville. A couple-hour drive, um, they'll make it west on I-10 and, and get to Tallahassee. It looks like uh, Abraham, and I hope I'm not messing this name up. I better figure it out before the weekend since I'm calling the games. Uh, Abraham Sakara, uh, 385 in 12 games um, last year. So they also got a transfer from uh, Stetson that, that I think Seminole fans have heard quite a bit, Austin Bogart. Um, he played for three years with Stetson, and he has eight home runs so in his career. So he'll be um, – going up against Florida State's lineup. Now, the, the big notable thing that I found in my research is that um, Brandon Wrights, uh, former Florida State pitcher, Brandon Wrights, uh, is actually the ace for the UNF team this year. He is the Friday night starter. He pitched at Florida State, I want to say back in 2017. I think that that's uh, correct. And uh, didn't make a lot of appearances, only about three or four, but then went to TCC and then found his way uh, to Jacksonville to play for UNF. But that'll be pretty cool. Um, Wrights will be pretty much having a, a small reunion at Dick Hauser Stadium. I'm sure his family will be in attendance trying to watch uh, their kid pitch against his former team. Uh, Max McKinley looks like he's their number two starter. Uh, he is a, I want to say he's a righty, um, low 90s fastball, uh, but he's coming off of elbow sur- surgery. And um, so we will have to find out how he looks, and then they have one other guy, a lefty on Sundays, um, had a solid uh, ERA last year, about 3-3-1, um, but nothing spectacular. He, he doesn't have great stuff, and Florida State has them. Look, Florida State has the pitching advantage in all three games. Florida State has the advantage in general, but this that doesn't necessarily mean FSU can't lose. Um, we saw that last year with Niagara, right? Like opening day, it's baseball. Things happen, um, but uh, Florida State's going to have to come out and um, show you that they can be one of the top 10 or 15 teams in the country this weekend. And that kind of parlays me into my next point and next question for you, Brett. What are you looking for in the opening weekend from the Seminoles? Yeah, so just, I mean, I just want to see some questions answered that are kind of the big set questions for the season when you know, when you're playing a team that you're more talented than in every phase, you just got to make routine plays, you got to play consistently. And you just got to let the game come to you, not try to do too much. You know, Florida State's just got to play to Florida State's potential. They, they can't go down to a team. Um, you know, opening day last year was not fun. Um, you know, bounced back quickly after that. But on opening day, we just saw them get away from themselves, get away from their approach. So I'd like to see opening day this year, Florida State work some walks, um, stay inside their approach, not get too swing happy. Um, you know, I do want Florida State to be aggressive early in counts, but be aggressive on the pitches you should be aggressive on not just swing into swing. Um, you know, just play good defense, play clean defense. Um, I'm guessing Florida State will have a lot of strikeouts this weekend, so when the ball's put in play, it just helps your pitchers out. Um, and then I'm just excited I'm just excited to see Florida State's pitchers pitch against other hitters that aren't Florida State hitters. You know, sometimes it's really fun to watch Florida State pitchers pitch and be dominant, but when we're just watching them face Florida State hitters, there's another side to it where it's like, man, are, are, what's going on here? But when you get to see them face other teams and actually go out there and dominate. I think it could be a fun weekend to watch the arms go work. Yeah. I think for me, it's pitching and defense too. I mean, the lineups, the lineup um, I've learned covering college baseball now and and watching it for a long time. Um, You know, it's opening weekends. It it has its own personality. 
Guys are going to be a little anxious. It's been a long time since they've played baseball. Usually that Friday game is pretty competitive, um, just in general, because both you know, both dugouts are really excited to be back out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I'm not really sure, barring like Florida State having three games where they're just like, you know, three runs or less offensively, I won't be worried about the lineup no matter what I see in each of the three games. Um, this lineup probably also won't be, you know, the lineup that FSU settles in on come beginning of March. That's just the way baseball works. So I'm really looking for pitching. I want to see them shut down the UNF bats. I really do. Like, I, I, I expect them to throw at a high level. And um, as much as meet and, you know, yourself and, and the media and, and in general, like, we all have high optimism for this staff. They got to go out and show it this weekend. And then that's one of the things that carries is, is pitching. Pitching should be ahead of the hitting at this point in the year, in my opinion. And so we'll see how that, how that factors in. And then defense, defense is consistent, right? It's a constant. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're playing game one or game 56. Like if you can field, you can field. Those should always be um, a a pretty steady uh, variable. So I'm looking at the defense. I'm looking on the mound. Um, I want to see Florida state look pitching and defense and kind of make me believe, all right, the foundation of this team is built to be a top 15 team and a, and a potential Omaha team. I do think FSU is going to score a ton of runs at some point in the weekend. Maybe it's Saturday when they have a doubleheader and UNF completely runs out of pitching. Um, there will be some double-digit games. I mean, I think FSU put up 24 against Niagara last year in one of the games. So, like, they get ugly. It's opening weekend. The rosters are not comparable. So um, Florida State's going to have to go out there and, and play clean baseball and um, – I think the only other thing that I'm looking forward to, Brett, is just like the new guys. Like how many of the newcomers can we watch get a few at-bats, a few innings? Um, Yeah, I'm really excited to see Carson Montgomery pitch. I think I speak on behalf of the fan base that has, you know, every time you tweet something about Carson Montgomery, immediate tons of retweets because people people are excited. They know who he is. He has pedigree. Yeah, I just think you'll see a lot of different arms come out there this whole weekend and I think they'll try some different things in the lineup as well but mostly arms is where you're going to see a bunch of names where I don't think they're going to have starters throw more than 80 or so pitches uh you know they've only been built they've been built up to about 65 or 70 where they've thrown four innings you know a guy may go more innings than that a guy may go six or seven innings if they're really efficient but I don't think Florida State is going to push any starters especially if games aren't close um, you know, I think the other thing is that you hope to get some some luck, some leverage in, in games where you have the ability to go out and throw some of your young arms and not be worried about the situation and just let them go show what they can do. So I think that I think that part of the weekend will be really fun. Just getting to see all the new guys and, you know, still see some of those old guys come back, you know, Chase Haney. I think we're about to talk about Chase, but, you know, he just knows how to pitch him and Clayton and Jonah. They, those guys just know how to pitch and they don't make many mistake pitches. So, you know, those guys will always be in there as well. All right. So, I mean, this is just pretty much an exercise just for the sake of the exercise. Um, Predictions, projections for, um, let's first go with what you expect Florida State to do this weekend. Do you think it's a a sweep or do you think two out of three? What are you thinking? I hope it's a sweep. I think it's a sweep. I just don't think that um, Florida State will have a gimmick when it comes to pitching. And I think, I think the, the, the approach of the plate has been pounded into them so much and they know they're not going to keep playing if they don't do it on a consistent basis to where I don't think they're going to get away from themselves on opening day um, like last year. And I, I just think um, it, especially because, you know, this is your first time back. This is you're locked in. You haven't played in so long. It's not it's not just any other season for a lot of these guys. It's your draft season. It's 
it's your chance to show what you really have. And um, a lot of these guys, I just think, are locked in right now. And you're going to see Florida State come out from day one and put constant pressure on teams like I talked about before. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, I also expect a sweep. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it's baseball if UNF took one. But I don't. I think everyone would be shocked if Florida State didn't win the series. That would be the stunner. Um, but a sweep. I think a sweep seems likely. I don't think UNF has arms to compete with Florida State. Uh, and we'll see how it goes this weekend. All right. Uh, projections for the lineup. Um, I think the top five will be the same this year. Um, it's a little tough right now. What I think it's going to be on opening day, just because of the uncertainty uncertainty surrounding Elijah Cabell. Um, I think he'll be in there, whether that's playing left field or that's DH and could change the lineup a, a bunch. Um, you know, if he's DHing, it's kind of, that might take out one of Tyler Martin or one of Dylan Simmons or one of those guys, one of those corner infielders, I think. Um, but I'd say what your lineup is, if, if it's fully healthy, it would probably be Martin DHing, Nelson catching, uh, Martin right field, Cabell left field. Uh, Albert, center field, Simmons first base, um, Lacey third base, DeSeda shortstop, and um, I'll probably go Jackson Green to start the season at second base. Yeah, and I'm not going to give any projections. I honestly don't think it would be smart of me to do that. I mean, you're the one who covers them on on a daily basis. So I trust you. I trust your uh, judgment on it. Um, I am excited to see if Vince Smith gets a chance in there at some point, um, what Simmons and Martin do. Uh, will Lacey get a shot at the hot corner? And then, of course, you know, is Cooper Swanson going to get some at-bats? And then uh, Morales as well. You've mentioned him a, a couple times. Yeah, I'd probably, probably see Casey Asman this weekend as well, especially um, when you got a doubleheader and maybe Colton Vincent as well, where you're probably not going to see Cavell. You're definitely not going to see Cavell play 27 innings in the outfield um, coming off the hamstring. And I don't think you're going to see Matt Nelson catch 27 straight innings on opening weekend. So those are two other names that will probably slide in there at some point. Who do, you, who do you feel will be the middle of the order? Uh, all things equal, um, Elijah Cabell healthy as well. Three, four, five is. I think it's always just going to be that outfield, and I think it's going to be Robbie Martin, um, Cabell, and and uh, and Reese Albert. I just think that's that's where the meteor order is going to be, and you know, Meat likes to go left, right, left, and I think you put Robbie in that three spot because he's got the average potential that's higher than Reese's, and you put Reese in that five spot, and you know. Let him go show off his power and what he can do power-wise. Um, and then Dylan Simmons probably hitting six is probably going to be a consistent thing as well, I think. Yeah. So I, I like that idea and uh, what you mentioned there too. So, <clears throat> so yeah, there, there's those uh, projections for the uh, batting lineup. Um, weekend rotation. Um, I'm probably going to go – well, definitely Parker Messick on Friday. Um, I'm probably going to go with Carson Montgomery on Saturday. I just think the talent level is, is going to be too hard for them at the end of the day to look at it and say that we're not going to have Carson Montgomery in an extended role. Um, I just don't think that you leave him in your bullpen for very long, especially for a full season. Maybe at the very start of the season, he's not in there. But I think his 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 everything that he brings to the table, the fact that the game never really speeds up for him, I think he's ready to do it. Um, you know, that wasn't something I was confident in coming into spring. But now that we've seen three outings, three extended outings, I'm, I'm pretty confident in Montgomery and what he can do on an every weekend basis on that Saturday. Um, I think Connor Grady will get the nod on Sunday due to his experience and just 
you know, I think Grady's going to be a lot better than any other Sunday guy that you ever get. Um, you know, just with his experience and also his ability to to work as a pitcher. You know, Connor's really learned how to how to pitch rather than throw since he got here, and his pitchability is very high. Um, you know, when his slider's on, he can be very good. Um, you know, that slider will probably determine how his season goes. But I think that will probably be um, your three. If not, I'd probably go with Hubbard over Montgomery. But I think you're probably you're likely going to see Messick and Grady in there for sure. Yeah, I think I was going to double down on that. That I feel confident Messick and Grady are in the weekend rotation. And then the Saturday spot, um, I feel confident that Grady's a Sunday guy. Like, I think that's where he profiles um, best for Florida State um, and giving the Knowles the advantage uh, in the third game of the weekend. So, yeah, um, I think Grady Grady's your third starter. I know I said Sunday spot, but this weekend there is no Sunday game. By the way, folks, if you don't know that, Friday, two games Saturday. There is no Sunday Florida State baseball. So, um, they are double-headering on Saturday to uh, wrap up the weekend. And then, yeah, we'll see if uh, Hubbard or uh, maybe a Jack Anderson finds a way in there um, at some point in the season. Uh, perhaps Montgomery uh, gets the nod this weekend as well. Brett, anything that we didn't touch on that you want to mention? Well, Chase, the Chase Haney announcement today um, covered that a little bit. Um, FSU is going to retire Mike Martin Sr.'s number 11 on opening day, put it up in left field, but – you know, they're, they're going to put a unique, unique twist on it, and Meat still wants that number on the field. And he's given that nod to Chase Haney this year, as we talked about um, in our interview. Um, you know, Chase Haney, that, that, that is his honor. That is a guy that has really deserved it, really earned it over his last six years here. So um, I just, that's just the guy that everybody on this team looks up to. And, you know, we know Chase. We've talked to Chase. Uh, Chase is just a really good guy to talk to, a really good guy to be around. So it's no surprise to see him with that number, but I just think it's a really cool thing that Florida state's doing. And I think national media is, is something is, has really loved the idea of Florida state's put out there so far. Yeah. And, um, what an honor for chase who has, he has pitched in a lot of big time games. I mean, in his career, he, you know, everyone raves about him. You heard meet, you know, just kind of really gloat about the type of person he thinks chase Haney is. And I, you know, I've, I've talked to chase uh, quite a bit, quite a few times and in quite a bit in his career at Florida state. And he, uh, he represents himself, his family, and the school um, extremely well. And and you know what? That parlays me real quick before we wrap up this pod to just how many guys on that team I think represent Florida State in such a positive manner. And those usually are correlated with teams that make it to Omaha and and maybe win a championship. I mean, how many guys on this team could you say captain material? I mean, there's just there's there is quite a few of them. I can name Haney. Reese Albert has represented himself well and his family well at Florida State for, for four years now. Um, you could easily name Matt Nelson as another one. I mean, there are there's pitchers in the there are guys in the rotation and guys, a Connor Grady, who a lot of people respect on that team in the bullpen. A lot of names that I could give you. So this is a a group at Florida State that has some young guys, no doubt. Right. And we have some newcomers. But it is a veteran mix of guys that have been to Omaha before, and they have they have felt the heartbreak of a season ending in Tallahassee. I mean, they were all there when Mississippi State hit that home run to left field to kind of end their season and shock them. They've been there. And um, I think last year, missing their season a year ago only strengthened some of the fire for a lot of them. We've heard stuff you know, off the record about how a lot of these players are so locked in on this season, like you mentioned, their draft year. And Brett, man... This team should be able to handle any type of situation and in and, and any way a weekend can go in non-conference and in ACC play. Yeah, and that's a big thing this year, especially with 
I mean, we've already seen some weekend series get canceled. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen this year. And when you have those older guys to just stabilize your roster and keep guys level-headed, to keep guys, you know, be accountable with everybody and be accountable in, in, you know, your COVID stuff and making sure that guys are doing the right things and not, not going out of line and putting the team's season at risk. So it's just a big thing this year to have all those older guys. And, you know, that's been one luxury of, of having last the shortened season last year and having a shortened draft. Um, odd one note, I just got texted that Florida State's doubleheader is going to be nine innings both games on Saturday. 18 innings of baseball, man. That's, uh, that's your dream right there. A long day, but it's a fun day. That's, that's what you live for. Look, man, uh, Friday. Brett Nevitt, it happens on Friday. And it goes down, and uh, the road to Omaha begins. It's finally here. We've all waited a very long time. And uh, we are, A, thankful. I think I need to reiterate how how grateful me and Brett are are for uh, your support um, here uh, just since November, you know, since we put out that first pod. And, um, you know, we've gotten a ton of listens. Looks like we're approaching 3,000 listens on this podcast, and that's awesome. And uh, we appreciate you sharing this with your friends. Please do if you can. We're on Apple. Uh, we're on Spotify, on Google Pods. Um, please give us five stars, too, um, just to kind of bump up those ratings if you really like this podcast. And email us. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Sundaygoldspod at gmail.com. Again, sundaygoldspod at gmail.com. You can find Brett at BrettPN on Twitter and myself, Arya Masudi, on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, leave us, a, leave us a review as well if you can. Let us know what you think of this pod. Um, and if there are questions that you have, things you want to hear, um, maybe some areas that we haven't touched on that you want to hear more of, please do. Brett will be covering all weekend. Uh, Tomahawk Nation, uh, you can find him and his work on that site. I actually found out uh, a couple weeks ago that I would be calling this game uh, this weekend on uh, on ACC Network Extra. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to start researching uh, both programs, the Knowles and the Ospreys, and uh, get back in there and put the headsets on, man. It's been a long time uh, since we've uh, been able to not only play baseball, but call baseball. So I'll be excited. I'll see you guys on ACC Network Extra. Brett will uh, talk to you guys on Twitter and in the, uh, the threads of Tomahawk Nation. Um, and uh, we hope to talk to you next week. And fingers crossed the Knowles are 3-0 when we do talk to you. And this has been Sunday Golds, a Florida State baseball podcast. Masudi and Nebit out.